Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. You know, being a father who was responsible for their family's financial decisions is a task that we were never trained on. So many brilliant men are doing so many brilliant things, yet many of them probably can't say that their family's most important financial information would be easily found if something happened. Many of them don't even have a written will. The sad truth is that, ultimately, your family will have to deal with the financial stuff. So wouldn't it be better to remove the stress of not being prepared financially for you and your family? That's what we're going to learn about today. And this is not an episode you want to miss. You're going to think about things you probably haven't thought about before. Let's jump right into this stuff. It's important, and we'll do that right after a quick word from our sponsor. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S., Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. It's my pleasure to welcome Jay Gabrani to the show. Jay is a successful real estate investor and the founder of Prepared Fathers. Despite several challenges along the way, Jay built himself a multi-seven-figure real estate portfolio, and he is also the person who turned a personal tragedy into a mission and empowering fathers to secure their family's financial future. With that, Jay, welcome to the show. Hi, Marco. Great to be with you. Well, I'm glad you're here. You have a very interesting story. I don't exactly remember how we connected, but somewhere along the way, you and I got into a conversation on the phone. And I just thought it was an incredible story. And I want to share it with our audience because you have a lot to contribute, especially to people like myself who are fathers who are thinking about our financial future, especially for our kids. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your whole story. So I'm located in Toronto, Canada, born and raised here. And let's just say, Marco, the first, you know, just a normal upbringing, went to university basically in the early 90s for chartered accounting. And the reason I did that was simply because I promised my parents I'll never work for anyone else after the age of 25. And they kind of rolled their eyes and did all that. And then they said, yeah, yeah, whatever. Just go get an education. So I went and got that education. But literally the day before my 25th, I went and did all the exams and got my designation and all that. Became a professional accountant. The day before my 25th birthday, I left the world of accounting. And let's just say in the 20 plus years since, I've been on my own when it comes to entrepreneurial ventures, real estate investing. I'm a single father of uh, three kids. And yeah, I just really enjoy what I do and look to impact fathers who want to secure their family's financial future. So Jay, you were talking about a tragedy that happened and and I know it's part of your story, so you're willing to share it. Why don't you tell us what happened and what led, I call that kind of a, a defining moment. It kind of changes the course of your life and changes the trajectory of what you do and how you look at everything. Tell us what happened and then tell us why you ultimately took a four-year sabbatical. Sure. Well, basically, Marco, I mean, like, yeah, it's a difficult story to tell, but I'll just back it up by saying that I really believe one of my highest values is genuineness. So uh, I know people go through kind of ups and downs. All your listeners are going to have certain challenges in life and building their portfolio. So this was mine. 
got married in 2004, three kids, 2005, 2007, 2009. So let's just say it was life was pretty busy at home. And back in 2011, we're going back quite a few years, my wife had an unfortunate little slip and fall. She hurt her back. The next day, she went to the doctor and she got prescribed some pain medications called Oxycontins. And I don't know if you know much about it, but let's just say she didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about it. She then went on a three-year path. It was a very, very slippery slope path where she became, unfortunately, addicted to these things. With the kids, there was a lot of postpartum depression involved. And let's just say that after a very, like three very, very difficult years, she made a decision that kind of affected all of us. And she decided that she didn't want to be here anymore. So that was back in 2014. My children were five, seven, and nine at the time. And overnight, I became a single father of three kids. So because of my real estate investing, which we'll talk a little bit about, that is what allowed me to take a four-year sabbatical. Just I was always the outward-focused spouse, right? The real estate investing, business, et cetera. And my wife was always the inward-focused spouse, the kids cycle, domestic cycle, et cetera. Let's just say all of it overnight became my entire responsibility. And I needed a lot of time. I needed time to mourn. I needed time to readjust my life, my schedules, my routines, all of that. And of course, I needed the time to just be with my kids. So that is what led to the sabbatical. And it was during that sabbatical where when you kind of like a cat, like maybe when the cat is, was in a little battle and they're wounded, they kind of go in a corner and they just curl up and they lick their wounds and they just try and figure out what's next. That's exactly what it was like for me. Yeah. So that's what led to the sabbatical. So you can kind of talk about whichever aspect of that you want. So what happened when you came back, when you were over the sabbatical? And first of all, you know, sorry to hear about the story. I know we've talked about this before, but it's kind of, uh, it's not something you typically hear every day and it's kind of hard to listen to. But by the looks of things, it's made you a stronger person. You've got this incredible mission. So post-sabbatical, where did your trajectory change when you got back? What was kind of that turning point? Sure. So basically, I'll back you up during the sabbatical. One of the things which when we talk about preparedness, my wife and I had wills. Right when my first child was born back in 2005, we set up wills. So after she passed away, I was the executor of her estate. So that was kind of the start of the process. Now, you have to understand, I was educated as a professional accountant. I'm pretty well a lifelong entrepreneur and real estate investor. So dealing with lawyers and contracts and numbers, it's kind of my thing. But I had problems being the executor. And let's just say that, you know, they're just things, simple things. I didn't know all the passwords. I didn't know where safe deposit keys were, box keys, like things like that, which really you think that as the father or as the one responsible, I would know these things, but I didn't. So that's fine. I ultimately got through that during the sabbatical, Marco. But then I had a couple of these questions, right? Like, I met other fathers during my sabbatical, and we would talk about these things. Obviously, it was such a, a devastating day for me and the whole process that followed. I would ask other fathers, hey, like, if something happened to you or something happened to your spouse, what would happen? And let's just say that literally, Marco, like nine out of 10 fathers, they wouldn't have known what to do. It would have been a very, very bad situation. They themselves, when it comes to their own financial organization, they might be responsible but their own paperwork, where their assets are, all of these things, they did not have a very good handle on. So the risk, obviously, is if something happens to you, then what would your spouse and family do? And during that whole course, so during that sabbatical, 
I talked to other fathers and then I realized that they would need help here in terms of preparing their finances and getting themselves organized. And that is what led to prepared fathers and the stuff that I would talk about today and the mission that I'm on, because the way I look at it, Marco, if I can help fathers get really strong in this area, then they can train their kids to be really strong in this area. And a lot of the financial problems that we face right now in society, maybe we can slowly start to erode them, like taking on heavy levels of debt, not making good investment decisions, that type of stuff. So that is what, from the sabbatical, that is ultimately what got created. And what you just said is exactly what hit me between the eyes and made me think, yeah, there's got to be a lot of fathers out there that don't even have a will yet, let alone, you know, a financial plan. And it got even me thinking, you know, if something were to happen to me, where would my wife go first? Now we have, you know, a safe and other things. So documents are filed and, you know, we've got it all organized, but it doesn't mean that it's complete or 100% correct. So that made me think, well, there's got to be a lot of fathers out there or even wives, but a lot of mothers, but fathers especially that don't have all these things put together, organized and a plan for the day if and when it happens that something happens to them. So this is why I think it's, you know, clearly an important subject. So we're talking about financial preparedness. Let's start by asking the question, what does it actually mean to be financially prepared? Because there's people out there thinking it's a will, but it's more than just a will. Sure. Basically, I guess the best way to put it, Marco, is there's these uh, what I'll call life's curveballs, okay? Death, divorces, disabilities, job losses, recessions, etc. These type of things are examples of life's curveballs. So when I talk about financial preparation, I talk to fathers about, are you prepared for any of these things happening? That doesn't always mean I have lots of money in the bank. It may mean having proper insurance coverages. It may mean having the proper paperwork filed, organized and available to your key stakeholders. Let's say you end up in a hospital and can't talk for something. Well, then your spouse needs to know, where do I go to get all of my most important information? That type of stuff are all of the layers of preparedness. When we talk about traditional financial planning, right, planners, they basically say, okay, in 30 years, you're gonna have this many living expenses. Starting with the money you have today, we have to apply growth factor. All of that stuff to me is like totally irrelevant because Truly, what you need to be prepared for is, it's not even a matter, unfortunately, of if all of us get hit with life's curveballs at one point or another. It may not be immediate. Fathers, so are you prepared? If something happened life-wise, do you have insurance policies that your children will be able to get money and not be you know, in any sort of financial trouble? If you get disabled, does your wife know where to go for the medical coverages and to know kind of where all your stuff is? That was really a big question for me, Marco, is because... The question, unfortunately, you know, like after she passed away and during my sabbatical, I had that question. I'm like, what would have happened if it was me, the one who was in charge of financial stuff, the one who was responsible for it, who knew where everything was? And the answer was very saddening because if something happened to me and it was up to my wife, unfortunately, she wouldn't really know where to begin. I want to change all that. All right. I want to make sure that fathers get prepared. I want to make sure that fathers are ready and just the peace of mind they'll get. That is really what I'm looking for is they'll get peace of mind. They'll feel as, okay, you know what? At least I'm ready. I'm prepared. And then they can share that with their family and their children. And then I want the cascading effect, the positive effect of it all. So that's the kind of mission behind everything. Out of curiosity, is this more about ignorance or is it about irresponsibility or negligence? What would you say it is? Because one is knowledge-based, you know, one is knowledge-based. One is just knowing about it, not doing anything about it. 
100% very well said. Actually, in kind of like a little, I have a little checklist that your audience can grab. And one of the pages in there, it talks about, are you financially ignorant versus financially negligent versus financially prepared? So it's very simple. You've already kind of highlighted it. Ignorance is, there's some fathers out there who believe, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. Everything will be just fine. I don't need this or I don't need that. That's pure ignorance because ignorance is not bliss in this situation. All right. That saying itself is kind of silly. We live in a first world country and right underneath oxygen, we need money. Like we need to be prepared. We need to have resources or prepare for resources to get more resources. So the ignorance comes from believing that nothing will ever happen to you and that you don't really need anything. Negligence comes from, well, wait a sec, maybe probably, let's say someone before our conversation would be considered financially ignorant. They just didn't know. Now, after hearing what we've talked about, and kudos for bringing this to your audience, because this is a very important subject. Once they hear what we talk about, they have to take some steps to get financially prepared. If at that point they choose not to do anything, now they fall in from financially ignorant to financially negligent. They have knowledge. They are not taking the action steps. They're not willing to put, not a lot of work, by the way, just it takes a little bit of thought. It takes a little bit of attention. So that's exactly the way I classify it. Ignorance versus negligence versus preparedness. Okay, interesting. All right, so now that we know what financial preparedness is and where it roots from, or what I guess it could root from, where does a person begin to go down this path? Because obviously now, okay, we're aware of it. We may not be doing all the things we need to do, or maybe we don't even know what those things are. So where does a person begin? Okay, so like I mentioned earlier, I have a checklist prepared for audience, a three-step financial security checklist. So you can, I'm sure, put that in the show notes and such. They can feel free to download it free. But while we're talking, the first thing I'm going to suggest to all fathers is if you have assets of any sort, you must have a will. You have children. You must, must, must have a will, even if it's something simple like off of legal Zoom. So some people, Marco, are a little bit budget constrained. They think, oh, I don't want to pay a lawyer to go get a will, etc. But once you own a house, maybe you have some pension assets or some investment account. Those are assets. If something happens to you and you don't have a will, your government is unfortunately going to take a lot bigger share of your assets than they're entitled to than if you did have a will. So there's the number one step right away is either if you can afford it, go to a lawyer, get your will set up for your spouse and yourself. This protects your children a lot. If you can't afford it, go online. And if you want, I'm not a believer in the do-it-yourself model when it comes to these things. I don't think so. You have to rely on professionals. But let's say maybe you are a little budget conscious and you want to go online. You can go online, kind of fill in some blanks off of a template, take that template, and then go take it to a lawyer. That way, the lawyer's not creating it for you. The lawyer's checking it for you. You pay a lot less, but at least you get some legal eyes on it. So there alone, if you can just make sure you have a will as a father, basically stating that the assets go to your spouse, your children, et cetera, in case something should happen to you, that will minimize any sort of probate or estate taxes. You're still going to have to pay them if something happens to you, but at least you'll minimize it. The next step I'm going to encourage fathers to take, especially if you have young children, and this was a big mistake I made. So this is personal experience. I did not have life insurance at the time, basically because I never thought anything like that would ever happen. I was in the ignorant category, okay? Just knowing that, yeah, life insurance is there. Hopefully you're not going to need it for a long time, but I just chose not to even get it. So I made a huge mistake because, well, 
remember, we mentioned I was able to take that sabbatical because I had a real estate portfolio to fall back on. Okay. So if there's fathers out there who are just starting their portfolio and if something happened to them, they may not have that portfolio to fall back on, then you need some insurance programs. All right. So a life insurance program, a medical insurance program, like critical illness type of stuff. So at least when your kids are young, as they get older, maybe you don't need them as much because your kids are developing their own skills and their own asset bases, et cetera. But especially when they're young, that's definitely the second recommendation I would make is look at your insurance policies. A good insurance broker will help you out. Someone who's, you know, you got to get someone in your area who understands your situation, who comes referred. That's really the best recommendations I can give. It's like any professional that we want to add to our teams, right? Is preferably you get someone who's referred Preferably someone who even deals with real estate investors and can understand your situation. And the third thing, definitely, Marco, is just having your stuff in order. I find that fathers get very, very, and even though I was trained as an accountant, I was like this before phones became like the apps and everything to organize all your information on phones. My stuff was all over the place. I had some file folders. I had some things that were online. I had mail coming in, which was messy. It's one of those cycles where You know, the fathers still, from my research, three-fourths of, about 75% of families, it's the father who's still in charge of the finances. But there's a lot of things, a lot of fathers were never trained on it. It was just kind of assumed that, all right, we get married now. My mother, in my own household, she would have no idea about any financial stuff whatsoever. It was just kind of automatically given to my dad. The same thing when I got married, it got given to me. So... If there's other fathers out there who were never trained on it, they probably are cluttered. They're probably all over the place and they never get any certainty of their financial situation. And that I find is just as an accountant, I find that like, yeah, that's not cool. You got to know where you stand. If you want to be a real estate investor, you want to ultimately borrow money. You need to know where you're at. What's your assets? What are your liabilities? How much money do you bring in, et cetera? So get organized is the third step. Well, a lot of us will refer to all that as a personal financial statement. If you have a a financial statement, you know what you own, what you owe, and where you stand. But in putting all that preparedness together, there's an intangible asset that comes out of that, and that's this feeling of relief and not feeling stressed or wound up by the fact that you don't have things organized for you or your family. It's the whole feng shui thing of organizing your home, you know, so it's a relaxing environment. Well, if you do that with your financial housekeeping, then the stress is gone. Like there's no stress. It's great. That's true. And the beauty of it is, is that it's a wonderful work that we incorporate leverage all the time in our real estate, right? We put in $1, the bank will give us four. In this case, yeah, maybe upfront, like after you hear this, you maybe download the checklist, you take some steps. Once the work is done and you're prepared, then you just review it annually. There's no real major work to be redone. Once you have all your stuff in order, then, you know, maybe around tax time every year, or if you have a corporate year end, some around that timing, you just review kind of your paperwork, review your situation. Great leverage. And yes, wonderful peace of mind. Because I ask other fathers, like my experience was my wife passed away and I was able, all right, I was able to take four years off. What would you do if unfortunately something like that would happen, right? Is I'm asking the audience, like, think about that. Like, would you be able to take some time off? Or would you have to go to work the following Monday? Because you're not ready. Like, just I need fathers in your audience to really think about that. Like it's our responsibility. Sometimes it's assumed, sometimes it's inherited, whatever, but it's ours. So I want to help fathers be the best that they can be when it comes to that area. And I know that if I help them, then it'll be really good. 
What would you say is the largest enemy when it comes to securing your financial future? Your actually your specifically your family's financial future, not just you personally, but what is the biggest hurdle or enemy against that? Yeah, it's a great question, Marco. And unfortunately, the audience might not like hearing the answer, but it's basically themselves. It's themselves, their lack of awareness towards it. So I'll give you an example. I have a brother-in-law, good guy, good job, all that stuff. He regularly contributes to his pension plan at work, et cetera. When I ask him, hey, what's your money invested in? He's like, I'm not sure. I go, so you're giving your money to these people. They're investing it. You have no idea what it's invested in. You don't know the risks of it, the benefits of it. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I don't. And this is a guy with two young daughters, right? He needs to prepare a lot of things, but was he's not really certain. So that is the biggest enemy, Marco. It's just their lack of awareness that it needs to be done. Once the process happens, you will get that sense of security and relief and some certainty. There's some certainty to if something happens, here's the steps that will happen right after. And I'll know it. Like you game plan it. But most people, it falls, I guess, into that ignorance category. Ignorance, lack of awareness. That's what I find is the number one enemy. Once fathers hear about it, then yeah, there's like, I want fathers to feel a little bit of that kind of discomfort if they're not ready, because I want them to realize that it doesn't take a lot of work. It just takes some focus and some awareness on their part and they can become prepared. Got it. You just mentioned game plan and obviously having a game plan is a key part of this and a good plan will obviously help you get everything you need in place. So there's a process here and you may have mentioned this, and maybe I didn't catch it, but in terms of simplification, aside from having a checklist like you've created, what can a person do to simplify this process? Because when I first hear about the words financial preparedness, it's not something most people talk about much of the time. And so it's this nebulous cloud. It's I don't see tangible things in there. And if I shake that tree, the first thing to fall out would be a will. But beyond that, most people don't really know what are the pieces that make up this process. So without getting too deep into it, just what would you suggest we do to simplify the process of financial preparedness? So we'll break it down into three areas, which is, I'll just kind of go over the checklist itself. It's the conversations, all right? The conversations you have to have with your key stakeholders. So once you've kind of got your paperwork in order, et cetera, then you have to have conversations with parents, children, spouses, lawyers, executors, et cetera. And there's a, a lot of conversations that even if you are prepared, a lot of people miss that one point. They have not adequately explained what their game plan is to the other stakeholders in their life. So there's one big thing is conversations, is having them. The second one, obviously, is assets. It is, yeah, okay, now we break it down to how much money do you have? What is your plan to get more? What investments is your money in? A lot of times, Marco, that's why I love real estate investing, is because if you have a long-term time horizon and a good game plan, it's really hard to screw up. You know what I mean? Like as long as you have a good plan. So investing your money, the assets. And then the third one basically is your paperwork is how organized are you? One of our main kind of products is something I call the dad vault and dad vault is a binder. We've pre-printed about 60 pages of things that you have to fill out once all your key advisors' information, your, the list of all your bank accounts, all your investment statements. Just keep it all organized. The whole idea is your paperwork should be thoughtfully organized in one place and easily found. So those are the three tenants, conversations, assets, and paperwork that we talk about. And that is what a preparedness plan revolves around, is those three steps. 
right? Conversations, maybe you have to have three to five conversations. Paperwork, yeah, maybe a lot of fathers don't have it organized really well. There's papers kind of all over the place. Let's condense it and simplify it because then like the dad vault example, anyone who fills that out, then they can just show it to their spouse. If something happens to me, come here. Or they can give it to their lawyer, keep it at their lawyer's office. If something happens to me, look in this binder. Everything is there. That type of an idea. So the paperwork side of it, yeah, again, as an accountant, I understand it all. But even as a father, I wasn't really doing it all, especially when my children were young. Life was busy. We were overwhelmed with a lot of things. And I would imagine there's a lot of fathers like that right now. But again, you have to make it in your mind that up front, you'll do a little bit of work. You'll spend a little bit of time and sacrifice maybe something else you're doing, like, I don't know, Game of Thrones or video games or Netflix or whatever you, I call it, Marco, there's entertainment time and there's education time. Education, like all the stuff we listen to podcasts, we get knowledge. And then there's this entertainment stuff, which I just put all of those other things into. Up front, sacrifice some of your entertainment time to do this preparedness plan. You'll be much, much happier. Yeah, I agree 100%. Another thing that kind of dawned on me as I'm listening to you talk here is everything you said applies equally well to a mother, not just a father. Oh, certainly. Everything you're talking about applies to mothers just as well, because what if, you know, something happens the other way around? Whoever is responsible for the family's finances, mother or father, like I said, I think it's about three quarters men right now. But yeah, this is important information for whoever is responsible. And if you're the non-financial spouse in this case, then you definitely should let the financial spouse know, or at least bring it up. Hey, are we okay in these areas, right? Like just ask some questions. And that alone can open up a good conversation, which then might lead to take the necessary actions to get prepared. It's important. Like whoever, whoever's in your audience here, I would imagine if they're the investors, they're likely in charge of their family finances. But again, it doesn't matter. You're right. It's for mothers and fathers. Yeah, yeah. Let's shift gears here for a little bit and then we can wrap it up. You know, we're talking about financial preparedness, and this is all about our spouses and our kids. And so that's pretty obvious, but there's a certain level of financial knowledge and education that comes along with this. And, you know, that's something that people can gather for themselves, whether it's through, you know, you and your checklist or books or whatever the case is. But along with all this, it's a good idea for us to be teaching our kids about money and finance. And if we don't talk about it around the dinner table, clearly that's going to be a problem going forward. And, you know, there's games like cash flow from, you know, Robert Kiyosaki and other types of tools. What would you say are those key money-making skills or not even money-making, but just money skills that we should be teaching our, our kids? Great question, Marco. And I'm a big believer in this stuff as well. So I'm going to break it down to principles, the simple principles, all the basics that we've heard, earning money, saving money, investing money. In each of those three categories, there's breakdowns of certain skills that we know. I have a saying with my kids, skills pay the bills, all right? Like you have to have different skills, which you will be able to use in your own business or other people will find valuable for them to have in their business and they'll hire you, whatever those type of skills are. So me personally, I am a big believer. My children right now are uh, 10, 12, and 14. The 14-year-old can have a highly intelligent conversation with anyone about real estate investing about digital marketing. So the certain skills that I'm teaching my kids are digital marketing skills, sales skills, and then investing skills. Investing, they've grown up watching us. A little hint out there for the real estate investors. My portfolio, I first started out in Edmonton, which is hours and hours away by flight. And then I switched my portfolio right into my own backyard. 
So they've grown up while we drive around to our properties and they've been learning about that stuff for years and years. So those are the three key skills, Marco. I teach my kids marketing skills, sales skills, investing skills. That way in the future, no matter what passion they have, what interests they have, they can take those skills out of their toolbox and apply it to their passion or whatever. So I think it's ultra vital that we teach them to earn more money. I don't let my kids or I won't let my kids go work in a McDonald's or something like that. I don't ever really want them to even see the minimum wage type of idea. Like other people like, no, I'll let them go through it. So they feel it. No, 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 no. I want them to understand that right away you need to have really good goals. And that's the other part of it is I teach them about goal setting, but I try and keep it really simple. I only want them to set one or two goals at a time and work towards those. I'm much happier if they can work towards smaller goals and accomplish them than get them to set all these goals and then not work towards any one of them in any sort of meaningful way. So those are the three key skills. Give them those skills to teach the bill. And by the way, you notice I have not said anything about university education. University education, the stuff that I teach them, no university will teach them. And that as parents and as fathers, that's our responsibility, folks, is to prepare our kids for what is going to be a pretty challenging world. Like you look at the numbers, there's a lot of people in debt. A lot of people aren't even at poverty line, et cetera, making money. It's quite honestly, because maybe the skills they have are just not that great. So as fathers, we need to get skills. We need to teach our kids skills. And if we don't know them, then we pay for getting someone else to teach them the skills and not skills like just riding a bike and judo and et cetera business skills, marketing skills. And then you watch how they'll flourish as they grow up because they will have confidence. I tell my kids all the time, the stuff I teach you, I don't think many parents teach their kids. So it's all meant to give my kids a competitive advantage as they grow up. And I would hope every father would want the same. I agree. Beautifully said. So we're thinking about kids here. Here's a question for you. Outside of owning a big business or getting a large inheritance, do you think it's still possible to create financial freedom outside of real estate today? I know it sounds like a loaded question, and to some degree it actually is, because I personally don't think it's possible, or at least it's very, very difficult without being an insider somewhere. I'm just curious to know what you think about that. Okay, so I've always believed that if you have the skills, building your own business will give you the best ROI over years and years if you can build that business. Second is real estate. And real estate, definitely, Marco, when it comes to my own past, it was responsible for pretty well everything. Now, having said that, though, especially during my sabbatical time, one of the investing toolbox skills that I improved upon was I cashed out some real estate in order to live. So the excess money, the idle equity, as I called it, this is something real estate investors should learn, is when they actually do have They've maybe made some capital gains and they have money available, which is sitting idle in a bank or on a line of credit, which is not being used. They got to develop skills to make money outside of using that money. Let's say that they're heavily weighted in real estate and they want to diversify a bit. So I think the answer is not so much building wealth, but I do know that taking real estate wealth, taking some of those chips off the table, you can then create income through things which I have done are private lending and selling put options, which is more stock market related. So I think that that is a skill set that other investors should know. But it really only is needed when your real estate has done well 
and you have capital gains and you have equity there that you want to utilize to create more income. So the answer is yes, in terms of to create more income, but in terms of wealth, no, I still haven't found any way better. And now that I'm, I'm 47, I've been watching this stuff for a lot of years, real estate, everyone will always need a place to live. Stock market, when it turns, it's been good the last eight years. But when I ask most people, has your portfolio gone up like 300% in eight years like the market? They never say yes. So obviously something's going on there. But then when the market, the stock market takes a dive, no one needs to own a stock. Everyone needs a place to live. So that one factor alone, especially if you combine it with a long-term investment outlook as opposed to a get-rich-quick mentality, real estate every time, my friend. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-doubter. Just have a longer-term outlook so that you can absorb any sort of short-term challenges. Let's say you're doing a, a flip before you rent it out. Well, that flip is going to have some challenges to it. Just make sure you're ready to handle that. Have a longer-term outlook. You're applying leverage by doing some work up front and then getting paid year after year after year. Real estate's the best. I agree. Perfect. So in tying this all together, you know, we were talking about kids here a minute ago, and then I wanted to ask you this, which was kind of a shift in my line of thinking, but it's really to tee you up for this last question, because, you know, we're kind of bringing it all together now. When is it too early or too late to work or even start working on your financial preparedness? Because obviously there's a time when it's right. There's a time when it's imperative. And then is there a time when it's too late? So when is it too early and too late? Okay. Too early, you know what? I don't believe there's any such thing. If you're growing up at a young age and you already have awareness of something like that, it probably means you're going to be financially pretty well off. So I don't believe there is such a thing as too early. I would think that once you get married, you would then start looking into kind of the whole preparedness aspect, insurance plans, etc. A will makes sense right around the time you're married, especially if you're planning to have kids reasonably quick. Definitely imperative once you have your first child. Okay. Now we're at the imperative stuff where you have your first child and you likely have a collection of some assets. We're at the imperative stage. We got to get your will done and we have to have it ready. And everyone has to know where it is. So there's something happens, it's readily available. And then too late, you know what? Again, too late is if one of those curveballs already happened to you and you never were planning and preparing all the way along, then maybe unfortunately it is a little bit too late to recover from that. But the attitude that I always have, Mark, especially after my wife passed away, the attitude I have was, okay, like I could curl up in a corner here and just sit here for years and years, or I can just get back up and get back out there and dust myself off. So if there's someone in your audience who's going through a tough time right now and having challenges, that's all I'm going to encourage you to do is we live this life once. Get up, dust yourself off, and do better. We've talked about some books here. Like Think and Grow Rich, right, is one of my all-time best. I pay my children, by the way. I have paid my children to read that book. And all three of them have. So as we talk about kids, I actually will pay them to read books which I think are super important. I will never pay them for a household chore. It's their house. I'm not going to pay you to take care of your own house. <laughs> I love that. I will pay you to get more education. So if you're too late, you're really not even too late. You might be too late to recover from your existing curveball doesn't mean you can't prepare for other curveballs in life while you're recovering. So to me, it is uh, the best time to plant the tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is now. So do it now. Do it immediately. Get started. Give yourself that sense of security. There's a sense of relief there that just comes with it. That alone is worth it. Yeah, totally agree. Cool. Jay, tell our listeners how they can find you and get more information or download that report that you were talking about. Yes. Okay. So basically the business called Prepared Fathers. 
So www.preparedfathers.com is our website. You can take a look on there. We have lots of resources for people. The three-step checklist, we will figure out an address, but basically it's also off the preparedfathers.com website. I would highly, highly encourage fathers to go and get that checklist, take a read, and then start taking some steps. Okay. Like that's really all it comes down to. And outside of that, you know what? I'm found on Facebook. Prepared Fathers is across most social stuff. So they can take a look around and just do the search. Search is our best friend. Yeah. And we'll also put those links in the show notes and the episode notes. So they're easily accessible from your phone or desktop or iTunes or wherever you are. Fantastic. That'd be great. Cool. Jay, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been not only enlightening, but certainly very helpful. And I think a lot of people are going to appreciate it. No, I appreciate you having me on, helping me share my message. And yeah, that's all I want to say to fathers is let's impact your financial future positively as opposed to negatively. And I want to help. Beautiful. Jay, thanks again. All right, Marco. Thank you for having me. Take care. You're welcome. Well, as you can tell, this was very important information and obviously it's critically important. Download his free checklist. And while you're at it, download our free report as well, The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. It is chock full of great information and makes a fantastic primer for you if you're thinking about investing in real estate or if you already are investing and you want to take that to the next level and build a bigger, better portfolio and do it faster if you can. And while you're at it, if you haven't, feel free to contact one of our investment counselors for your free strategy session. How's that for a tongue twister? Do you have a question about real estate? By all means, send that to me. Click the Ask Marco button at the top of the website and let me know what you're thinking. I'll try to reply to you via email, but I'll also try to cover that in an Ask Marco episode of this podcast. And if you haven't already, please remember to subscribe. Just click that subscribe button in your player. Help us spread the word. Visit us on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. That would be greatly, greatly appreciated. And once again, thanks for listening. We will see you on our next episode. looking for a roadmap to financial freedom? If so, we have a solution for you. Narada Real Estate is offering a limited number of free strategy sessions to help you get out of the rat race. Learn how you can create wealth and build monthly passive income. To set up a time with one of our knowledgeable investment counselors, simply go to naradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.